Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to discuss all of our favorite tech of CES 2021. And when we were going over the show notes, Michael said there was good tech there, which makes me laugh. There was a couple things, Michael, just a, <laughs> just a couple things there. Uh, last episode, we discussed, for instance, Lenovo's new AR device, but this week we're going to cover all the other gadgets that caught our attention this year, along with some Intel and AMD releases. Then we're going to head to Camera Corner, where Wendy discusses community question about printing your photographs. So sit back, relax, and plug in, because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, our resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. So let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, what have you been up to, man? When I moved a couple months ago and I never had the chance to, uh, because I didn't have the the screws to plug in to like mount the monitor, because, well, during the move, I don't know where they went, but I lost them. So it always happens with screws and things yes. and instructions. And yeah. Yeah, the vase of screws. I, I lost those. So I uh, had to order them and I got them in. And finally, I set up the extra monitor. So I had a, I had enough for two, but I didn't have the third monitor's ability to. So have that up. So when I did, it, it it's so it's so re- weird how the a little bit of extra real estate space made my product- productivity so much better. And in addition to having the extra monitor, uh, because it's the third one, really, but the uh, I changed it to a vertical monitor. And the vertical monitor is, I think, the reason I want to talk about it is because I think it is an underrated orientation for a monitor. Because a vertical monitor is so useful for productivity and having, like, there's a lot of vertical applications you have for, like, uh, communication stuff or just lists that you want to go through while you're working. And... It's if someone has never used a vertical monitor and thinks it's ridiculous, just give it a shot. I now, think not every monitor can go vertical, or you'd have to get a different base for some monitors to go vertical. Yeah, true. But I, I agree that having a vertical monitor can be a huge improvement to your workflow, especially when you're dealing with things like walls of text, sometimes chat and other things. But a third monitor, do you really need three monitors, Michael? Yes, I need okay. another one. I need a fourth one. I don't have a fourth one, so I'm just going to stick with the three, unfortunately. But yes, uh, three for sure. I have seen those setups where people have the monitors, you know, like three monitors below or four, and then four over top of those. You know, you get up to eight <laughs> monitors and things. I don't know. I mean, I, it looks amazing, but I'm not sure the productivity really increases with that many screens to look at. But who am I to say as a hardware addict? Do it. Buy as many monitors as you could afford and plug them all in. Right. Wendy, how many monitors do you use? I use two. Right now, I'm down to one because when I upgraded my monitor to this 32-inch 4K, my little RX 580 is like, yeah, where we're doing 4K, you need to stick to one monitor right now. But at one time, I had four and I really, really miss my multi-monitors. So... We need graphics cards to come back in stock so I can have multi-monitors again, please. I we're going to get into that stock issue. 
Yeah, the stock issue is really driving everybody nuts. But I agree. I, I had my monitor because of lack of desk space at one point in vertical, and I enjoyed it. But it was, I have two 2K monitors. And so it was a 2K monitor in vertical. And I felt like just kind of losing the joy of moving, like, say, a movie or a picture over there in horizontal mode. Like, to me, a vertical monitor should just be something where you throw text and things on. But I'm sure there's artists and other people out there like, no, I use it every day for actual manipulation of photos because I can get more on there or something else. But to me, anyways, it's more of a text thing. So I'd want like a cheap, inexpensive monitor for that. Well, and I only used one ever for text. And that's exactly this for things where I needed to be able to read stuff. And I wanted to be able to see more of the text and just what you can see in the horizontal position. Yeah. I think for me, my ideal is unfortunately I don't have all this, the stuff that I needed to do this because I wanted, I needed, I was thinking about getting a three, a triple monitor mount to be able to do it. I currently have a, a, a dual monitor arm that allows me to have these rotation things. But what I want to do is have a single uh, ultra wide, maybe not like ridiculously ultra wide, but an ultra wide in the middle and then two verticals on the side. And that would be awesome. That is I, an awesome setup. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to the day that I can afford that. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's the problem with all hardware addicts is the actual affording the products themselves. <laughs> so Wendy, what have you been up to? I didn't get any new hardware this week, but I had boo-boos with existing hardware, <laughs> big ones. Oh, I cleaned my desk off this week and in the process of cleaning off my desk, it was time to do some maintenance on my tower, get all the dust cleaned off of it. And I really, really need new hard drives. I'm running out of hard drive space. And because I haven't used my video setup for a while, I decided, well, I'll pull the one terabyte SSD out of that and pop it into my tower because I can use it right now. Well, I had two Western digital drives and I formatted the wrong drive. Oh, no. That hurts. Yeah. And the wrong drive that I formatted just so happened to be my media drive. Tell me you had a backup. I mean, we talk about backups on this show. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Love it. Well, there's something that didn't. Yes. There there are a few things that didn't have a backup. (laughs) (laughs) There are a few things that didn't have backups. My daughter's been doing playing with recording herself, playing some games and editing those. And I didn't have a backup of those, but I do practice what I preach there. Every time I download things from my camera, pictures will go to my media drive and it has a backup feature. So they automatically go to my backup drive. Did I lose some things? Yes. Some edited versions of images and that kind of thing. But all of the pictures are still there. Thank goodness. But I was mad. Oh, my goodness. I was so mad at myself. Then to compound on that, I was trying to edit the latest version of Deal and Extend. And every time I try to highlight a section in Audacity, things weren't working. I couldn't highlight sections. And I was getting super frustrated. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong. I started pulling out other USB devices, maybe there was interference there. I moved. Had your husband, mouse. Magneto, leave the room? <laughs> he wasn't even in the room, which made it that wow. much worse. Yeah. I moved my mouse to a different 
USB port and that wasn't fixing it. I thought maybe it's even my router. I moved my router to the floor trying to get this stupid thing to work because I was so frustrated. And my husband, Magneto, walks in and says, uh, maybe it's the mouse. The simplest solution ever. <laughs> Thankfully, I had another... He's been listening to hardware addicts, see? He, <laughs> yes, he, he knows. There you go. <laughs> I had another G502 still in the box. And I plugged that one in. And I finished editing the show without any issues. It was the mouse. There you go. Some of these things last so long or we, we become so reliant on them that it's hard to even think that it's something so obvious, right? It's not working. It's got to be just the mouse. It must be interference. Even the reliability when you talked about your drive. Now, I know you formatted it yourself, but I know a lot of people, because the reliability has gotten so much better on a lot of drives for consumers and things, at least for consumer amount of time that they're using it, that they just trust this thing's always going to keep their data forever. And so they don't do backups and things like that. And because they get away with it for so many years, perhaps they don't think anything of it, but then it comes to bite them uh, later on. So I'm sorry you had all those issues, but hey, you got a new mouse out of the box and you happen to have one handy, which proves you're a true hardware addict in stock <laughs> yeah. every day. Who else has hardware just laying around for extra use? I actually have several Noctua fans that are still in the box as extras that can either go in this tower or when things are back in stock and I can set up the living room gaming system, go in there. Extras. Okay, so why does Wendy get get credit for leaving stuff in the box and I get yelled at? I mean, come on. I get credit because <laughs> mine are replacement parts. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's yeah. how that that's works. That's the difference. Okay. <laughs> My bad. So speaking of things breaking, that laptop that I loved so much, I was talking about the Razer, it, the logic board died on it. I think I mentioned it in one of the prior shows entirely, and the cost of fixing it would have been far more than actually just getting a new laptop. At least that's what I told my wife. So we went down to Micro Center, and I wanted to get a good PC that had a 4, 2K or 4K screen in it, minimum. I'm not dealing with this 1920 by 1080 nonsense. Good color reproduction, really a nice IPS screen, least hitting the minimum of 340 nits and had a lot of power behind it. And so naturally, because I had such a bad experience with the older Spectre HP X360, I was not looking for another HP. I've had bad experiences with them in the past. I tried this newer updated one, had a bad experience with it. But you, the community out there, when I was talking trash about the HPX 360, were like, well, you got the older one. You're not being fair. You have to check out the latest one. So I did. I bought myself a 2019 HPX 360 with an Optane plus one terabyte NVMe an NVIDIA GeForce MX250 and i7-10510U. God, they got to work on their naming for Intel stuff. A 4K 15.6-inch <laughs> touchscreen plus two-in-one, so you can fold the thing in half and turn it into a tablet. With an IPS micro edge, WLED backlit multi-touch enabled edge-to-edge -edge with Corning Gorilla Glass as well, so it's shatter-resistant which is a pretty high-end laptop. It's got a full metal frame, a big trackpad on it, although it's more horizontal than it is a square, which is the only thing that I'm not a huge fan of with it, but it's still a very nice trackpad. And I've been playing with this 
beautiful 15.6 inch 4k screen laptop for the last several weeks really enjoying it but there's something i didn't know and i'm sure i'll hear about it from the community on this that optane does not work with linux at all you mm -hmm. cannot install linux on this machine until you turn optane off which means optane just becomes another 30 gigabyte drive sitting out there that you can store stuff on. And I thought because Intel has so much support out there for open source and things that Optane certainly would work with Linux. But every time I would go to install Fedora or another distro, because I tried several, it just couldn't see the drive until I removed that Optane off of it, which was really interesting. Did you know that, Michael? I did not, not until you mentioned it previously. Like this was kind of a, this is a thing that I, I'm not surprised just because like these, uh, you know, when the first Optimus came out and anything that's like an experimental or you see, it seems to be like a nice polish effort. They just kind of stop and don't go the, the full way. But it is shocking that Intel didn't do it because Intel has been an open source. Uh, you know, they've been they've been very heavily involved in open source for multiple decades. I mean, I don't remember when they started it, but it's been so long that I that's exactly the thing is like, I don't even remember how long it's been since they've been, been like all in on in open source. So it is pretty shocking. Now I will be doing a comparison against this screen. And of course the retina on a MacBook 2020 air just to show the difference. But of course MacBook air is not 4k in here, but may have better color reproduction because this is only 72% NTSC, which I think is pretty much like that borderline of just being your average consumer uh, display there. So we'll see how it compares, but I will tell you, I'm very impressed with the build quality of this machine and the RAM is not soldered on. You oh. can actually replace things inside, including the NVMe drive and things. So the fact that it's repairable, it's a little bit on the heavier side, but you've got that nice ability to turn it into a two-in-one and has all these extra features. I think I finally found a PC that can give, uh, you know, a dollar for dollar run to the Apple oh, out there, wow. which is pretty cool. Wow. I'm so curious you're saying how you like this two in one. I've been looking at them and I've been a little worried about how well they hold up to especially the heavy use. So I'm curious as to how well this works for you frame that they have on this the all aluminum frame with the hinges being all metal as well and they're really tight on this gives me a lot of faith but it's a good point it's it's got to be something that you can do that multiple times over and over with and it doesn't get to the point where the hinge is so loose your monitor just shakes all the time so we'll see given some more time with it but i'm very very impressed with this machine it looks beautiful it has the right parts inside they didn't cheap out even on the speakers. The speakers are fantastic inside this. So they really went for that premium. And I'm shocked it came from HP. You know, there's some great Dells and things out there and Lenovo's, but a lot of those are actually soldering on the RAM or the price point is so ridiculous that it's just not even in the realm of ballpark for a regular consumer. This is the first one where I'm, I'm really kind of thinking I'm going to recommend an HPX 360 if it keeps up. So there you go. Wow. So you're okay. So it sounds like that in your eyes, that HP has redeemed themselves in terms of laptops. Uh, are you saying that it's at the level that it's maybe even a MacBook killer? It could literally be a MacBook killer, but I haven't put it side by side to see that color reproduction piece in it. But if you, yeah, I think it could definitely be a lap, a Apple MacBook killer 
if you take in all of the factors of the fact that you get things like repairability, obviously you get the operating system of your choice. You're not just stuck with one OS and everything else on top of it. I definitely would say this might be something to get over any Apple product out there. Nice. And the community the, the was right. The color of it really isn't bad. So NTSC is well above sRGB, which is what the color profile is typically for internet, that kind of thing. So I, I am curious as to what the side-by-side -side comparison is between this and the Apple. I'm pretty sure the Apple's like 400 nits minimum. This is 340, but it may not even be noticeable. So yeah, it'll be cool to do a video on it and I'll show everybody what the differences are. This episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud-native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting for you. It has support for multiple programming languages like Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby. It also has support for static sites, Docker, and container images. DigitalOcean runs their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with other products. And they built this app platform on top of DigitalOcean's Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so that you can take more control of your infrastructure setup. And as a listener of the Hardware Addicts podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free, actually better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. And we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. All right, so last week, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is a global event where companies show off their latest and greatest technology, innovations, concept ideas, and set the stage for what the tech companies are going to be working on this year, kicked off. Of course, it was virtual this year, but they had a lot of interesting gadgets, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on some of these gadgets because I know people are like, get me to the Intel and AMD part, but some of them really piqued my interest just as a hardware addict altogether. Like for instance, the first device that caught my attention is this little pocket talk device. While pocket talk isn't brand new, it's basically a portable language translator, making it even more easier, especially if you're an international traveler, a teacher, they even donated a ton of these to first responders during COVID, which I think is awesome. So they can talk to people who may speak a different language. And this particular device is an upgrade from the previous generation. So it's completely portable language translator. So you're not burning out your phone and things trying to use the junky translators that are generally built into it. It's got a bigger screen, which makes it much easier to read. So if they can't hear it well or whatnot, you can just kind of show the screen. Bluetooth connectivity for hooking up to external speakers, which I could see would be really useful in the classroom setting, things like that. And But my favorite thing was the auto language detection. So no need to select the direction of, I, I want to go from English to Japanese or, or whatever language is being spoke. It will automatically detect that and be able to translate accordingly. And that to me was really awesome. Not only the fact that the company has been involved in the community with the first responders and COVID and things like that, but just the fact of how cool it is to have a device like that on your hand that now language is no longer a barrier. It reminds me, Michael, of Star Trek. Mm hmm. Very much so. Yeah, it's it's like it's one it's the 
It's like the first step to the Star Trek world of having a computer do the translation automatically, or even maybe the first step to Battlefish and uh, that sort of stuff. So that'd be really cool. But maybe What's that's Battlefish? Babble. Battlefish. Oh. It's like Hitchhiker's Guide. I got you. I got you. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. It, that'd be really cool. But the 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 this is actually way more close to the Star Trek realm. Uh, but the, and that, that itself is fantastic. The auto language detection, that's kind of like magic. Just someone starts talking, you're like, okay, uh, detect, great. Now what did they say? Like that that's pretty much like the you know that's pretty much Star Trek. It's just other than having to have a device and it's not always around you, we're 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 getting close to that maybe. So. We are. I think it's amazing technology, and I know that a lot of people who travel talk about the fact that their phones battery end up dying a lot when they're using these type of services. And when you're on a trip and you're trying to use it for GPS, you're trying to use it for other things. I could mm -hmm. see why this is such a important little device. Plus it's supposed to be just way better at translating than your typical phone. Cause it uses multiple cloud services combined to kind of do its translation in near real time. And of course it not only gives the text, but it also translates in um, another voice, you know, so it has the audio portion of it as well. But again, if they couldn't hear it, you could turn it and they could read from the screen. It's just a little, really cool device. What I want to know is, can it translate dog? You know what? We'll have to reach out to the Pocket Talk people to see if they have figured out how to talk in puppy language. We, we, must, we must know, but probably squirrel. Exactly. <laughs> the other device that caught my attention is the LG Cinebeam projector. Now, I've had a projector. In fact, one of my early, early, early videos on my channel is me setting up a 105-inch screen on a projector and gaming on it, which is just, it's so much fun. But this takes it to a whole new level because they're using laser projection technology. It comes with, Michael, get this, WebOS. Come on oh, now. Oh, yeah. Yes, WebOS is the best. I mean, it's probably the the newest one, but the WebOS is the best. Still the best. I mean, I just love seeing WebOS on there. It's got the eARC, of course, for your audio connection, AirPlay, your wireless audio, and Bluetooth. You have a 300-inch screen at 4K ultra-high definition, and because it's using laser enough, diodes. Though? Is that enough? It's bright screen day or night. That so. would be so cool. I know, especially since we're all kind of stuck in our homes and things, setting up your own home theater with this. Of course, I think it's around two to $3,000, but you know, that's nothing when you make the kind of money Wendy makes. So I expect <laughs> you to do a review, Wendy, on this soon. All right. I'll just break out that uh, pocketbook and we'll be good to go. Awesome. Perfect. I can't wait to hear the review. Maybe LG will send us one. They'll send us one to review. I would love. To yeah, check we out. we ha we have to know how good the laser projection works because I mean, without us testing it for them, how would they know that how good it is? True. I mean, you know, I mean, if company no, really wants yet, to know, if there's stuff. how will they know how well it works when Magneto is near it? That's a there you really go. Good point. Yeah, that should be the ultimate test. See, if companies send us this gear, <laughs> we will test this stuff out for you. Nobody else has a Magneto. We have one on Hardware Addicts. So there you go. Well, Sony entered the drone business, which actually had me pretty excited at first. Sony is getting their hands in the drone business with their Air Peak drone, I guess they're calling it. Unlike the popular DJI drones, though, this one is made to carry a Sony, Sony Alpha Series camera like the one Michael and I use. I don't what? know if you use one, too, yet. I know you want one, Wendy, but I'm not sure. I know I want one. I want one so bad I'm actually considering selling all of my Nikon gear to get one. 
There you go. Um, and when you get one, you could fly all of that money thousands of feet in the air and take video. Hope that is really, happen. really awesome and super terrifying. <laughs> exactly. You need but, a really, really good insurance on your camera gear. It is true. Yeah. Good insurance would help. Uh, having a backup in a box would help. So just buy a couple of them. That way <laughs> yeah, won't just, crash. just have <laughs> yeah, a bunch. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Not when you're buying that LG laser beam projector. You know, it's no big deal. This is geared more towards professional filmmakers. So I expect they're kind of coming in the higher end drone market here. Not something that your average consumer will probably easily pick up. But maybe not because it doesn't come with the camera. And that's a very expensive part of these drones is the cameras. And the fact that it's going to have a hookup for the Sony Alpha series, though, means that the footage you'd be able to capture with this would be extraordinary. And so I was pretty excited because Sony, when they want to, can produce one heck of a good product. All right. So finally, we've got a bunch of other things that came out, but you want to get to the processors. I know Razer unveiled a couple inter interesting concepts here. You have vibrating headbands to help with headaches, lip lipstick hue tools to choose the right lipstick for you, Michael, medical devices, distance learning apps, water sensors, and new high-tech face masks. All were devices on stage this year that kind of caught my attention or were interesting enough to at least stop and read what that was all about yeah i i admit i did check out the high-tech face mask and see what that was like that's that's an interesting an interesting thing the uh the headband thing all right that's interesting kind of ridiculous but interesting uh but overall you know all right it wasn't uh, a terrible ces but you no, know no we want the processors right well amd took to stage and a lot of people gave AMD a lot of flack for their presentation because they spent a lot of time just kind of talking about their partners. And I think that was very important for AMD to do, but it wasn't very interesting for the general public to watch because it was just a bunch of videos of how they're working with AMD, they're partnering with AMD, there's so many exciting things, Microsoft, Lenovo, HP, amongst many others out there. I think really it all boiled down to AMD was showing that they are very aggressively creating partnerships across the industries in order to get their products in as many of these companies as possible and get the consumer, of course, their hands on more AMD products for laptop line, for instance, which is there's many more AMD laptops than there was a year ago, but there's obviously a lot of room for even more out there. So Definitely I think that's still not enough. Show. Definitely not enough. I agree. <laughs> I mean, it is good that they're doing the partnership stuff, and that's that's really cool. And speaking of which, if you're not aware, Hardwareix is a partner of the Destination Linux network. So be sure to check that out by going to destinationlinux.network. I see what you did there. You're trying to do like Boom. a Lisa Sue and bore people with our <laughs> network affiliations. Well done, Michael. Well Thank done. you. Thank you. Well, AMD did finally at the end release its 5000 series of mobile processors. So we got three tiers here. We got the U, which is low power, the H, which is high performance, and the HX performance gaming out there. We're going to cover the Zen 3 Ryzen 9 5900HX. So your gaming line and the Ryzen 9 5980HX. Both CPUs are eight core designs, 20 megabytes of L2 and L3 cache, and boost 4.6 and 4.8 gigahertz with a TDP of only 45 watts. That's pretty awesome. I think this is a nice lineup. The problem is, 
and this is going to be the same feedback I'm going to give you for AMD and Intel is I kind of yawned through the whole thing, not because these aren't great products and they don't look like amazing CPUs that I would love to have my hands on inside of a laptop, but because there is no stock anywhere of anything, I've just become numb to these announcements at this point. Hmm. Yeah, because you know that, that you can't actually go out and pick one up, which is extremely frustrating. The stuff, the graphics cards that were released earlier this year. Yep, can't get one. So what does that mean for when these will actually become available? How far down the road? That's the big question. And they also unveiled this amazing 280 watt. So this is not a power saver here. Threadripper Pro Chip. This is a 64 core 3995WX that has 288 megabytes of cache and runs at 2.7 gigahertz base frequency with a 4.2 gigahertz boost frequency, followed by the 32 core. If you're just somebody who just doesn't need power at all, you'd go down to the 32 cores at the 3975WX with 144 megabytes of cache. And of course, the 16 core. 3955WX with 72 megabytes of cache. I love Threadripper. I love the naming. But once again, even if I was in the market for one, I know I couldn't get one because they're probably going to be bought out by a bunch of scalpers and there won't be enough stock and they'll sell for three times their normal price on eBay. These monsters are exciting, but I agree with you. It's extremely disappointing knowing real people, real world hands-on is going to be almost non-existent for a long time. This is a terrible problem, Michael. Somebody does marketing for a company that has so much excitement and momentum. I know we're not the only ones feeling this where they go out and they announce these big things, but because nobody can even get their hands on stuff that released six months ago, it just becomes kind of a bore fest. And that's got to be really frustrating for AMD. I mean, it's not their fault necessarily, certainly not their fault. It's just a lot yeah. of different things combined, but that's got to be frustrating. It's not their fault. You're right. But in terms of like the marketing aspects of it, there's, there's, there's nothing they can do about it, but it is going to create this gutted feeling of the marketing. It, it, there's, there's nothing they can do, but it, except for announce the stuff they were planning to announce and all of that stuff, all the impact that it would have is just instantly undercut by the fact that people know that they can't get what they're trying, what they're promoting. So even though people would normally be incredibly excited about it, there's, it's automatically undercut by the fact that you can't get it. Even though, like, for example, the, the Threadripper Pro, the 3995WX with the 64 core, and I assume 128 threads because that's, that's what AMD does. Uh, that, that sounds awesome and ridiculously cool. And I want it. And even if, well, even if I had the money to get it and was, you know, not super cheap, uh, that is something that people who could get it can't. And then by the time that they're able to get it, maybe the hype is gone. It's possible. It's Nobody not likely cares because, anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's not likely to completely go away, but in terms of the amount of hype they could have had with such an awesome announcement. It's, you know, you're looking at maybe 50% excitement later on. Even the hype for the things that came out six months ago, because nobody could get it and wasn't in stock, you you would see those different channels that would get a hold of these things early almost were awkward in presenting it. Like, I know there's no stock and nobody can get one, but here's the benchmarks with this thing. Like, 
it even took some of the oomph out of them presenting this stuff, whereas usually we would be cheering and so excited and, you know, it's just, it's kind of crazy. But Intel also unveiled a plethora of 11th gen processors. There are so many processors and being possible to cover it all here, but basically they have Chromebooks. They're going to be powered by the 11th gen Intel, which a Chromebook being powered by this kind of CPU would be pretty cool. I think if you're into Chromebooks, not my favorite thing, but a lot of people love them. New processors for business, education, and gaming. The Star is the gaming processor in the H series. So we got three new 11th gen Core H35 processors. You know how Intel's so good at naming stuff. You get the Can't wait. Excellent. Yeah. The Core i7 11,375H, special edition. The i7 11,370H and the i5 11,300H. Oh, it's or, like you're just singing music to my ears. Oh, it's just amazing. It just makes you want to go out and buy one, doesn't it? Right. I just, I just, I, I can't, I can't keep my wallet not closed. It's just, it's opening itself at this point. Yeah. So, and the money's get... going nowhere because they're on. <laughs> because there's nothing anyway. <laughs> You get four core, eight thread CPUs. That four core, we're going to come back oh. to that in a second. A 28 to 35 watt power draw to replace or supplement their 35 to 45 watt 10th gen out there. And the special and special edition is Intel's Turbo Boost 3.0, which allows the CPU to claim a peak single core frequency of 5 gigahertz compared to 4.8 gigahertz for the not so special part in there. Wait a minute, you're saying there's a turbo button? Well, are we getting are we getting a turbo button back? I wish they had a turbo button, but it's kind of built in. It's the turbo boost in there, so it's more eh. software driven. It's, I guess close enough. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if you didn't pick up on that, the H35 chips have only four cores paired with the 6 in the 10th Gen i7. Intel had to drop some cores to fit the chip into the same or smaller space that they had. So AMD so, comes out with massive 64 cores, 7 nanometer CPU, and Intel drops their 10 nanometer, but it only has 8 cores, or 4 cores. 4 cores. Holy crap. That's four, half of what I was originally cores. thinking. 4 cores. That's it. 4 cores. That that's that's it's it's like Intel is just like, you know, screaming out into the crowd, "We're streaking through the quad." <laughs> Gosh. Well, I, in, in fairness, though, this would be more comparable to the mobile lineup of what AMD has than the Threadripper, because these are mobile chips here that, that they're talking about. But yeah, dropping the four cores was an interesting move. And I guess because they have the Intel XE graphics, which I'm excited to see what those can do, and the Thunderbolt 4 and a bunch of other things built in, they just didn't have the room on the 10 nanometer. But 10 nanometers here, and I've been waiting for that. So assuming someday, two years from now, there will be stock somewhere and I could get my hands on one, I'll let you know two years from now how well they compare. How well, well they, they did. did fulfill one promise. I said I would only believe it when I saw it. So I guess I actually haven't seen it yet, but they are announcing that they will be eventually available for purchase. I'm just glad to see Intel making some moves because AMD, I think, talking about all their partnerships and things that they're making, a lot of that has to be due to the fact of them just dominating from a marketing standpoint. 
from a course of speed and processor standpoint. And Intel was kind of just sitting out there with 14 nanometer trying to overclock that thing to call it a next gen over and over again. And eventually now they've got this 10 nanometer out. I think they'll have seven nanometer, hopefully at some point. We'll see. So that's CES 2021. Michael, what was the most exciting product we talked about in your mind with CES 2021? Well, I mean, I, I think there's two, and one is basically is a combination of the one for, for this episode and last episode, because I think the AR stuff uh, from Lenovo is, is really interesting overall. So I'm, I'm, I would say that's one in, in, in the top of my list. Uh, also, uh, of course, the uh, lipstick hue detector, uh, that is uh, <laughs> I knew also... I you'd like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like it too, frankly. I mean, you want to have the right color. Yeah, of course. It's, you gotta you gotta match and make sure it hits, it hits your cheek uh, your cheekbones and everything. I don't know what lipstick I'm and the cheekbones. I'm not <laughs> sure. No, 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 no. It's 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 making sure that your blush and your and your lipstick match and it's contrast. You know. I got you. Con- so when Michael gotta, puts on his makeup, he looks like that two year old who's gotten into hey, mom stuff. Exactly. He's got lipstick no, on his cheeks. It's no, 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 no. It's because you get you get you you streak it out to the side and you're like, you want to know how I get my scars? Like that kind of thing. I yeah. gotcha. Wendy, what excited you about CES 2021? I'd have to say one of the things that I would really love to get my hands on is that projector. I've got the one that attaches to my phone. We've had a mini LG projector that we absolutely loved and used for a long time until it died. While forking out $2,000 for one isn't on my to-do list anytime soon, I think they're extremely cool and totally versatile. You don't have to have them in your home theater. You can have them in so many other places. I know I don't know that I'd go packing this one neighborhood around movie time. where it's expensive. Yeah. But get togethers, movies in the mountains, all kinds of different things that you can do with projectors. And they've made this one so much better. You don't have to have an extremely dark room to make it happen. I'd really like to see them come out with some different lines that were a little more budget friendly, but still have the ability to watch the movies or whatever you have going on and not have it be completely dark. I think it's awesome too. That would definitely be one of my favorites. Along with Sony entering the drone business, I think when Sony puts their mind to something, they can do incredible things. And I would love to pick up one of these drones and attach the camera to it and see what it's capable of. I just think it would be so much fun to play with. Unfortunately, CPUs normally would always make my list, but because of the stock issues and none of them just really blew my socks off personally, I'd have to get my hands on them to really see is there any real big difference here. Of course, the Threadripper Pro is amazing, but generally out of my cost range. So otherwise, it's other things this year at CES that caught my attention. This episode of Hardware Addicts is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager as well as additional authentication, such as master passwords for adding passphrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is the password manager that I chose because 
For one, it is 100% open source. You can self-host your Bitwarden instance, plus they have security audits. Go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. Though they do have premium accounts that start at $10 per year. What do you get with that $10? One gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step authentication with YubiKey, U2F, or Duo, Vault Health Reports, TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation, plus priority customer support. Make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, though, you'll really want to support this amazing open source project and get that premium edition, especially where it starts at only $10 per year. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. All right, Wendy, take us into the camera corner and tell us about printing images. Well, I'm very thankful to our community, and we had community member Stephen bring me this question. Thanks for your sentiment on Wacom tablets, or Wacom. Mm -hmm. Could you do one on printing photos? Do some printers work better than others? Are drivers available? Are there any gotchas? Well, thank you, Stephen. And this comes at the perfect time because I've currently been researching printers. So first, we'll take more of a dive into the professional style printers. These aren't what most people are going to be using on a day-to-day, but it would be wrong to not touch on them because there are professional printers that people can get to print their own photos. There's two different I guess, ink styles, you could say we have dye sublimation or inkjet, also called pigment printers. Dye sublimation is one of the things that if you send your pictures to, say, Costco or whatever, and you're having them print your images, this is typically what they will be using. You have a heated ribbon with a single color on it, and the amount of heat that is applied to that ribbon and where it is applied will leave the appropriate amount of color on the image. And then it has to run through each of these different ribbons or heads in order to finish printing the picture. At the end, they put a clear coat on top. Sometimes it's glossy, sometimes it's matte. That seals all that color in. An inkjet is a lot like the one that most people have at home, though the print head is definitely at higher quality. It has a much higher DPI or dots per million in this case. The higher of the DPI it is, the more clean and sharp your overall image can be. Side note, the quality of paper that you have, just like the quality of lens you have, makes a huge difference on the end product of what that print will look like. So I can't use that standard paper I got from Walmart to print my photos. Got it. Yeah, it just, it won't look so good. Darn. They also have many more colors than your standard CMYK, cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. I don't know where black got K as its color. Because B stole blue. That could be a joke in there somewhere, but I'm guessing. Well, B is actually cyan because they have CMYK. Oh, yeah. I don't know either then. (laughs) Some of the printers, the professional printers that I looked at that are of this pigment style had up to 10, 12 different colors, and that is a lot of cost. 
you have more cost when it comes to printing images on inkjets. The advantage between the two is that inkjet printed images, high quality ones, can last 200 plus years. Whereas on the dye sublimation, you can start to see color shift in as little as a few months, depending on the quality of the dye and the quality of the top coat. I thought it would be different. That's interesting. You'd think, because your standard inkjet printer, you're like, oh my gosh, this thing's a piece of crap. It keeps blocking up. I was there saying that are... just today. <laughs> well, and that's part of the problems I have with my current inkjet printer. And one of the reasons why I started looking into ones, not necessarily these really high-end ones, but ones I can use for home, but will still print a decent image. I've had my Epson Workforce 3470 for about eight years now. It's, it's, we've been put it through a lot. Almost that entire time we've been homeschooling. So it's printed off all kinds of things. It's copied all kinds of things. We have put it to work and the scanner part's no longer working anymore. And one of the, the styles or the, the brands that I've been looking at is actually the Canon inkjets. They have also, a laser version that supposedly still prints a really nice image. I've been back and forth on some of those. I know that the Epson has had super awesome connectivity with Linux. They have a quote-unquote unofficial drivers, which means they don't offer customer support with them to use in Linux. I haven't had any issues both having it directly connected through USB or over Wi-Fi. I've started to do a little bit of digging to see if the Canon ones have the same usability with Linux. I don't have a 100% go-to on that one. It's kind of hit or I miss with all of these. In fact, you know, taking it out of the photo printers, I've had multiple Epsons, multiple HPs, Brothers, Canons, and it really just depends on the particular model that you get, whether it's going to have support. And even its support in your standard Windows operating systems can be terrible for some of these printers. The drivers or malware, I'd like to call them, that they stick on your machines. And it's just, it amazes me that printers have been around this long and they're so expensive and the ink is so expensive and their drivers, getting them to actually print is still this much of a hassle and getting them to work. And yet your phone can always, I can always get my phone to print to any of the printers, but an actual computer with all the processing power and full power of an operating, full operating system, desktop operating system. Nope. Can't figure it out. Doesn't matter. Doesn't the operating always system work. either. Yeah. It's That's one of the reasons why. I like the printers that have an option to either print from an SD card or scan to an SD card. Yep. That makes a huge difference. So if you're battling with it, you can always copy the file you need to an SD card or scan it from there. So I will definitely be doing a little more research into this over the next two weeks before the previous show. And I'll go ahead and tell you which one I'm going with and why. And hopefully... It will work within Linux. And it also looks like we have an answer for why 
black is labeled K, shorthand. Yes, I looked it up while we were talking, and it's because it means key or the key color. And as for why it's called key and why it's called the key color, uh, no one knows. Maybe, <laughs> maybe because that's always the first ink to go out is the black ink. Therefore, maybe. it's key. There you go. Maybe. Well, thanks for looking that up, and I can't wait to see what printer you buy, or if you even buy a printer, because you may take that whole budget and just move it towards that LG Cinebeam projection system, so that will be equally as exciting. Oh, you know it. All right, that's it. Our 28th episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. If you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the amazing content on the Destination Linux Network. Head to destinationlinux.network. You're going to open your browser. You're going to type that in. You're going to check out all the great podcasts and YouTube partners available. There is so much to fill your brains with. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time for another episode because Hardware Addicts is always in stock. All right, that's a wrap. Send to print. Nice.